This teaching comes to you from the team at St Mark's Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. Good morning. Our first reading today is from Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 to 9. Moses said, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the ordinances, that the Lord your God charged me to teach you to observe in the land that you are about to cross into and occupy, so that you and your children and your children's children may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life and keep all his decrees and commandments that I am commanding you so that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe them diligently so that it may go well with you, and so that you may multiply greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make your home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but is from, from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks. Thanks. Let us pray. 
Give us grace, O Lord, not only to hear your word with our ears, but also to receive it into our hearts and to show it forth in our lives for the glory of your great name. Amen. Please do take a seat. It'd be great if you had the uh, order of service open in front of you with the passage from John's Gospel that we're looking at uh, in front of you, because you, because that's uh, what we'll be speaking from today. And I want to ask a question, a personal question. Do you think of yourself? Do you think of your, yourself as spiritual? I find this is an intriguing question to ask people because it gets such different responses. For some people, the word spiritual means something or someone intensely religious, a monk, a priest, or a guru. A spiritual person is someone we imagine as having a first-hand experience of the divine, a person who has direct encounters with God and lets these encounters permeate their very being. They may hear voices from above. They have a conversation with God and they, have super, they might have supernatural visions. But these days, a lot of people will say that they are spiritual and not religious and not quite mean what I've just said. I don't think they mean that they are monks or gurus, but that they don't like the idea of having to go through a crumbling institution or meeting with other people in order to get the sense of something bigger, being in touch with something bigger. They mean, I want to do the whole God thing on my terms in my own individual way. Now, in the passage from John's Gospel in front of us today, Jesus will tell us what it means to be truly spiritual. He is going to send his spirit, and so his disciples will have a first-hand experience of God, all of them. But having the true spirit will not make them individualists. It will enfold them into God's family, and it will inspire them to love one another. Jesus shows his disciples that when we believe in him and do what he says, then we will truly have his spirit living in us. We will be truly spiritual. Now, preacher's confession time. I've wrestled all week with the logic or the flow of this passage. It just won't break apart into neat sections. Turns out Jesus never gave a TED talk and doesn't speak in bullet points. Jesus talks here, and thank goodness perhaps, Jesus here talks here about love and the spirit. And these two themes overlap and circle one another. There's a sort of circularity to it. He's commanding and he's promising all at once. But I think it's not just designed to make me irritated. It's quite deliberate. The disciples are those in whom the love of Jesus lives. We are not just commanded to love, we are empowered to love. Who we are and what we are to do are deeply enmeshed. So let me show you how that works. Well, first of all, in verse 15, you'll see there, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then immediately after that, in verse 16, he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth. Do we claim to love Jesus? We might like to ask why we would love Jesus. And in John's writings, we always learn that our love of God is a response to, our, to God's love, his first love of us. 
In his letter, John says, we love God because he first loved us. Jesus' love of his disciples is the reason that his disciples love him. Do you love me, he says? I have loved you. But love of Jesus can't just be an empty word. If this love is to be true, it will mean that we will obey his commandments. We do what he says to do. Because if our love for him is real, then we will love him as he really is and not as we imagine him to be. We will love him as our teacher and our Lord, a teacher and a Lord who washes our feet, who dies for us, to be sure, but one whose commandments we want to carry out. We don't love him on our terms, but on his. We submit to him out of love for him. We might say, to use the language of popular psychology, that Jesus' love language is obedience of his commandments. And what does he command his disciples to do more than anything? What is the thing, especially in John's Gospel, that we hear him telling his disciples to do? He does not command them to build cathedrals or to carry out rituals. He commands them to love one another. If you love him, you will do what, he's com- what he commands. And if you love him, you will seek to love those who also love him. And if you love him, in verse 16, Jesus promises that you will have another advocate, the spirit of truth. Now, this word advocate is an interesting word here. It's translating a, a Greek word which the old Bible used to translate as paraclete, but that was just literally a transliteration of the original Greek word, which was paraclete. It didn't really tell us anything about what that word meant. So that doesn't really help. Some modern translations call him the counsellor, but that makes us think of him as kind of a heavenly psychologist, and that's not quite right either. Others will call him comforter, and that's certainly true that he comforts us But it does sound rather as if he is a baby blanket, which is a comforter. Advocate is actually a legal word, and that's your legal counsel, is your your advocate. And that's pretty accurate, in fact. The Holy Spirit is our advocate because he teaches us the truth. He teaches us, he counsels us by guiding us in the truth. The Spirit then, the Holy Spirit that Jesus promises us here is the person who interprets for us and speaks for us. He's a person who advocates for Jesus with us and in us and through us. And that's why he is the spirit of truth. And that's why he is given to those who love Jesus. They love him because they have the spirit. And they have the spirit because they love him. They have the Spirit because they love him, and because they have the Spirit, they love him. They love him because they have the Spirit. It's a sort of chicken and egg, right? St. Augustine put it this way. He is the Spirit whom, except we have, we can neither love God nor keep his commandments. And that means that we can see what others can't see. We can see Jesus truly by the spirit of truth. The world can't see him. They can't see him like that. 
And that's why people who may respect Jesus, they may call him a good man or a great moral teacher, can't really see who he is because they do not have the Spirit. It is the Spirit who enables us to see who Jesus really is. There's something more to this too. Have a look at verses 18 and 19. Jesus will go away. He's told his disciples this. He's going to go away to the cross, there to be crucified. But he will not orphan his disciples. He is going to the cross to be killed, and the world will no longer see him. As far as the world is concerned, he's done and dusted, dead and buried. But for the disciples, this will be different. We will meet him risen from the dead. He will rise, and this life will also be our life. Have a look at verse 19. He says there, because I live, you also will live. The resurrection life of Jesus, the power that brought him from the grave, that broke the bonds of death, is now applied to you and me. The Apostle Paul will put it this way, it is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. This is one of the most extraordinary promises of the Bible. We now have the life, the resurrection life of Jesus living in us. On that day, says Jesus, verse 20, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. What day is this? The day that he has been raised, the day that he rises from the dead, then it will be confirmed. Jesus, the Son, is in the Father. He has a unique and unparalleled relationship with God the Father. In one sense, his disciples should already have guessed this. We've been through this, says Jesus, in the opening parts of John chapter 14. If you know anything about Jesus, he is the man who is so close to God that he shares existence itself with him. They are a unity. They have a bond of love that is inseparable. And Jesus' resurrection demonstrates just how close that bond is, just how much the power of God's life is at work in Jesus. But here's the amazing thing. On that day, that Easter day, you will not only know that Jesus is in the Father, I mean, at one level, good for him. Isn't that nice for him that he has this close relationship with God the Father? But there's something more that we learn too because you will also know that he shares this close bond of life and love with his disciples. You will know, he says, that not only am I in the Father, I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, but you are in me. And I am in you. Can we ever fathom this profound promise? Jesus is in the Father. We are in him and he in us by his spirit. Even with our weak faith and our many sins and errors and our cold love and our fickle hearts, and our mumbling prayers. We share in the divine life itself. Jesus has given us his spirit 
so that we are in him and he is in us. And so now we are in God the Father, just as he is. We share with that close relationship, that life and love, that total bond of unity. We live, you and I, not on the outer edges of God, but we've been brought right to the centre of God's molten core, aflame with pure love. We've not come to God's bureaucracy. We've not had to go down to some office in Canberra to do business with God. We've been brought right into his being. Despite the deadliness of your sins, consider them. You receive from the Spirit living in you the eternal holiness that lives forever. Now I want us to sit with this promise for just a moment and let it sink in. You can tell this has blown the tops of the disciples' heads right off because Judas has to ask a follow-up question. And uh, as always, uh, he's called Judas, not the Iscariot. You can imagine that for the rest of his days, he was probably printing business cards with Judas, not Iscariot, right? I'm the other Judas, not the bad one, the other one. Well, anyway, this Judas had to ask this follow-up question. And Jesus keeps saying to him the same thing. The Spirit will teach you and remind you about this, he says in verse 26. We'll let this, this will be ministered to you by the Holy Spirit, this truth. You will learn it more. But if you love Jesus, know this. You have been enfolded into the divine life, wrapped in the very love of God. You, the, the love of the Father and the Son for one another is now in us. The very life of the ever-living God now lives in you and loves you. The Father and the Son make their home, says Jesus, in those who love Jesus and keep his word. You are, in the truest and deepest sense, spiritual. Not because you say the word om or because you sit down at Bondi Beach in the lotus position, but because you have the spirit, the true spirit of the Father and the Son living in you. The soul of the universe, the power, the something bigger, all the vague names that people gesture towards when they claim to be spiritual. You are truly one, not with the universe, but with the one whose dream the universe is. And Jesus wants us to find peace in knowing this, as we see in verse 27. This is meant to be the most deeply reassuring truth we could ever learn. That night, the disciples' hearts were troubled, weren't they? I mean, that Jesus keeps saying, don't, don't let your hearts be troubled because he can see that they are clearly upset and worried. Jesus' death, they're thinking, is probably going to be theirs. His last supper might as well be theirs. But the advocate is coming. Jesus will live and his life will be theirs. They will be truly comforted because peace, with a peace that is not as the world gives. Think of the kind of peace that the world offers us, the alternatives to God's extraordinary peace. The world offers us 
the comforts of luxurious living, the reassurance that we are someone's if only we succeed, the comfort of pure pleasure, of intoxication, of air conditioning, of comfort eating, of diversions from the truth, of music and easy listening, of false spirituality, of the soothing reassurance that everything will be all right in a nice mellow voice as you go to bed at night, of counsellors who tell us to follow our hearts and that we should deny ourselves nothing and that there's nothing to be ashamed of. The Spirit of Jesus offers you none of those false comforts. He is the Spirit of truth after all. He gives to us a deeper peace founded on a more solid reality, the truth that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life, the truth that nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, not even our own sin. That is what the Spirit does. If you want to know what the Spirit does, he ministers the truth to us. He teaches us about Jesus. He reminds us of the things that Jesus teaches us. Interestingly, Jesus calls him another advocate. I'm going, but I'll give you another advocate because Jesus himself has been playing that same role and now his spirit will be playing that role, teaching and reminding his disciples about the truth, the reality of the love of God we have in him. What you and I need to do then is to lean in to this peace. Now, I found the old hymn that we're going to sing at the end of our service written in the 1300s by a monk called Bianco di Siena to be a prayer that I often pray to remind me of the great truths of the passage of what Jesus is teaching us here. I remember just a couple of years ago feeling very, very uh, worried about some things. I was down in our, uh, in our holiday house down on the south coast, walking up and down the beach and singing this hymn to myself, reminding myself of the great truths that Jesus, the great promises that Jesus makes for me and to me in this passage. And it was beautifully expressed in these words. You might turn to them there. Come down, O love divine. That's the name of the Holy Spirit, loved God's love. Seek thou this soul of mine and visit it with thine own ardour, passion, desire, glowing. O comforter, that's the advocate word, right? Comforter, draw near, within my heart appear and kindle it, thy holy flame bestowing. It's a prayer that God would fill us with his holy love such that we are kind, our hearts are kindled to love him and to love with his love. I pray this prayer knowing that as a promise of Jesus Christ, it is already true. The comforter, the advocate has drawn near and appeared in my, within my heart, filling it with the love of God. And the more I know it to be true, the more it becomes true in my experience. I know God's love for me. And so I want to love God more. I know God's love for me, and the more I know it, the more I want to love God more. And that's what we need to remember. That's, what, that's where we need to remember that Jesus has left us with some instructions too. He says, remember, if you love me, and by 
my spirit, you will obey my commandments. I'm filling you with my love, so obey my commandments. Do you love him? Then are you doing what he says? Are you seeking to be more like him? Are you hearing what he is commanding you to do? Are you a student sitting at his feet, letting his teaching mould you? Has the love of Jesus become real and active in your life, or does it lie somewhat dormant? His spirit has taken residence among us and in us. Can we tell that by what we do? Is that power unleashed to make a difference? In particular, he's commanded us to love one another. Our love is to be the hallmark of his presence among us. And this is where we can be quite practical. Jesus is practical as ever. Do we have an eye to one another? Do we know about one another's needs? Do people here have material and physical needs with which you can assist? John in his letter actually says this. In in 1 John he says, Is anyone among you in need? Make your love practical. Is anyone among us lonely? Are they feeling ashamed or downcast? Are they in grief? Are they experiencing loss? Or are they in a world of pain for some other reason, facing medical issues, the loss of health, breakdown in relationship? Do they need support in managing an ageing parent or a difficult child? Do they need reminding of the love of God for them in Christ? We're not called to fix one another's problems but we are called to be present with one another, just as Christ is present with us by his Spirit. We are called to stand with one another, to listen to one another, to pray for one another, to ask God's Spirit to be ministering to one another, to remind each other of the great truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no greater ministry that you can, you can, you can have than to remind someone just quietly of the great love of God for them. Truth and love are not opposites for Jesus. So let our church family be known for its spirituality. Wouldn't that be extraordinary? Not because we have a wonderful building, but because of the quality of our love for one another. Because we are known for our Christ-like and down-to-earth love. Let us be known, too, as individuals, as truly spiritual. Because we live in love as those who have living in us the love of God, the love divine, the spirit of truth. And let us lean into the peace that he gives us, the peace that will comfort us, The peace that Paul says passes all understanding. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.